Knock, knock. Who's there? Dream infringement. Dream infringement who? No, not dream infringement who. Dream infringement wop wop loop wop wop bomb bomb. Hi. Don't let my crazy joke in the intro have you fooled or confused. This is actually dream infringement. And this is Jennifer doing a little solo show tonight. With all the the joking hijinks that ensued there. Yep. Don't worry, the gang will be all back together again next week for week one of our upcoming two-week pledge drive. And we're already plotting plots and scheming schemes, thinking of possible pledge drive themes. Because we try to mix it up and keep it entertaining. Both for you and for us. Nobody likes to do the same old thing over and over again except this theme, which is the same old thing that I'm doing over again, um, which is... I had a doo-wop playlist a little while ago, and I'm doing it again because there was still so much more to cover, and I'm learning so much about a time in musical history where things were really changing and evolving, and your girl here knows how to hyperfixate on a topic. So join me on the second part of this musical journey. Yes, it's Dream Infringement Doo-wop Part I Guess It Doesn't Matter Anymore by Buddy Holly came out in 1959. It was one of the last songs that Buddy Holly recorded. It was written by Paul Inca, and after Buddy Holly passed away, he made sure to give the song rights to Buddy's wife as a way to help support the family he left behind. So here we go. There's no use in me a crying. I've done everything and now I'm sick of trying. I've thrown away my nights and wasted all my days over you. You Send Me by Sam Cooke was released in 1957. He was considered to be a pioneer and one of the most influential soul artists of all time. Cook is commonly referred to as the King of Soul for his distinctive vocals and the way he shaped musical history. It's hard for me sometimes to hear him and not think about how he died. He was only 33. There's a lot of mystery surrounding what exactly happened, where things don't quite add up. Was it a robbery gone wrong? A plot by his manager to get his hands on some of Sam's money? Or was it self-defense? At this point, it does not look like we'll ever know. What we have left is the music. We can get lost in this dreamy, peaceful song. You Send Me by Sam Cooke. Darling, you send me. I know you. The song Stand By Me by Benny King came out in 1961. After listening to all of these harmonizing groups and soaring musical scores, this feels subdued. It's kind of sparse, which I think really showcases the strength of his voice. You can hear like the confidence in him, and I think it makes the song more impactful. The message stands out. 
Benny King was also one of the principal lead singers of the R&B vocal group The Drifters. Due to some disagreements, he didn't tour with them or go on TV with them, leaving his poor stand-in to lip-sync his parts. King was active in his charitable foundation, the Stand By Me Foundation, which helps to provide education to deserving youths. Here is Benny King with Stand By Me. Stand by me So darling, darling Stand by me Oh, stand by me Oh, stand Stand by me Do You Wanna Dance by Bobby Freeman came out in 1958. He was born in the San Francisco area and started singing in a doo-wop group in high school. In his early teens, when asked by a local DJ if he had written any songs, he wrote several and recorded them as solo demos, where they were heard by the right people and he was signed with Jubilee Records. This song was released when he was just 18. At first, his career seemed like it was on fire, but he was just never able to get that level of success again. Later in life, he supported himself mainly as a singer in nightclubs. So here we go with Do You Want to Dance by 18-year-old Bobby Freeman. Mr. Lonely by the Videls came out in 1960. They were a Rhode Island-based trio, and this was a modest hit in the spring of 1960, though they never charted another single. But all was not lost in the world of musical talent. Two of the members became reasonably successful songwriters, even going on to work with Phil Spector and co-authoring some classics by the Ronettes. So here's the Videls with Mr. Lonely. I don't have a girl to call my own, and I don't have a lover. Take Good Care of My Baby by Bobby V came out in 1961. My mom had always been a big fan of Bobby V, so I grew up listening to his music, and I knew most his hits by heart as a child. Bobby V was an American singer who was a teen idol in the early 60s, and he had 38 Hot 100 chart hits. His career started when he was very young, in the midst of tragedy. He had concert tickets, and the lineup was going to be Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, The Big Bopper, and Dion DiMucci. He was really looking forward to the concert, and then the unbelievable tragedy happened the day the music died. So a local radio station put out a call for local talent to fill the now three missing acts. V had recently been trying to get a band started. He was just 15 years old, but he got together some musically talented Fargo schoolboys, including his older brother Bill, came up with the name The Shadows right on the spot, volunteered to play, and made the cut. So he was filling in for one of these star headliners. There's no way that this should have worked. You know, people 
had been expecting to see Buddy Holly and you have a 15 year old and his you know motley band of Fargo schoolboys it succeeded though it was a success it jump-started his career I can only speculate that since Bobby V himself was a huge Buddy Holly fan that maybe he kind of could empathize with the crowd and they could all identify with what was happening that he wasn't a replacement but that this was a tribute maybe like I said I can only speculate another interesting thing about him was early in his career a musician calling himself Elston Gunn briefly toured with the band Elston Gunn was really Robert Allen Zimmerman who later went on to fame as Bob Dylan. I guess he tried out his stage name, Elston Gunn, it didn't land, so Bob Dylan. Dylan's autobiography mentions Bobby V very favorably. There is the case of a concert in Minnesota where Bobby V lived, and Dylan said he'd been on the stage with many stars, but that none of them were as meaningful as V. He said Bobby V was in the audience and then played his hit, Susie Baby, with emotion. Dylan said, I've played all over the world with all kinds of people, but the most beautiful person I've ever been on the stage with was a man who is here tonight. Dylan also recalled that V had a metallic, edgy tone to his voice, and it was as musical as a silver bell. Bobby V said he remembers touring with Elston Gunn, and he played pretty good in the key of C. So here we have young, young Bobby, who was uh, just 18 when this song came out, Take Good Care of My Baby. Take good care of my baby Please don't ever make her blue Just tell her that you love her Make sure you're thinking of her Sealed with a Kiss by Brian Hyland came out in 1962. This kind of has a Beach Boys vibe to me. Uh, so his biography was really boring. I don't really have a lot of information to impart about his life. Uh, it mostly was just him kind of bouncing around from agency to agency. But he's currently, he's 78, still alive, and he still continues to tour internationally with his son Bodhi, who assists on drums from time to time. So here we have Sealed with a Kiss, Brian Highland. Though we gotta say goodbye for the summer Darling, I promise you this I'll send you all my love Every day in a letter Since I don't have you by the Skyliners came out in 1959. They were an American doo-wop group from Pittsburgh featuring one girl and four guys. The group started under the name The Crescents in 1958 and was one of the few to include a female voice. Janet Vogel, who sang soprano, was 16 at the time. Later that year she managed to persuade the owner of Pittsburgh's newly formed Calico label to record the group singing Since I Don't Have You, a song they had been singing locally. The owner was very wary till he heard Vogel sing the first few notes of the song. Then he was sold. 
and he signed them. So here is the Skyliners, since I don't have you. the halfway point and you're listening to kskq 89.5 fm ashland oregon and kskq translator k231cw 94.1 fm medford oregon also streaming at www.kskq.org and you're listening to dream infringement with our doo-wop part two episode where I'm just covering some songs from the late 50s early 60s and I'm going into a little bit of the history and backstory of how these songs came to be and one thing that I am just astounded by is how young some of these singers were many of them were still in high school they were just teenagers when they hit it big I hope you find it also kind of interesting or at least you can put it in your uh, memory in case you ever have a particularly musical game of Trivial Pursuit, perhaps. So anyway, back to the show. Sea of Love by Phil Phillips was released in 1959. It went to number two in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 Pop Chart and spent 14 weeks in the top 40. It sold over 1 million copies in 1959 and was awarded a gold disc. Nonetheless, Phillips was paid only $6,800 and received no further royalties for the song or its recording. He was not happy. He would say later, Because I decided to fight for what was rightfully and legally mine, a full album that I recorded was never released. I am not being paid, nor have I ever been paid, as an artist for Sea of Love. I never received justice, and to this day have not received justice. Very strong words. His biography also said he recorded an anti-drug spoken word recording called The Evil Dope in the late 1960s and it's considered a cult classic. I'm a little scared to look it up. Uh, I don't know what I'd hear, (laughs) but I'll put it out there that that exists. And Phillips later worked as a radio DJ. He married and he actually had seven children. Obviously, I personally cannot make up for things that happened in the past to somebody I don't know, but I guess we can all just say thanks. We enjoyed your song. Thanks for making it. Sorry you didn't get paid for it, what you should have. The Platters, Only You, came out in 1955. I covered The Platters back in episode 287, which if you want to listen, you can hit up iTunes or SoundCloud. Just type in Dream Infringement and hear all our past episodes. I neglected to put which member said this, but one of them said, We were the first Afro-American group to have a girl singer. 
That was the talk of the nation. All of a sudden, other groups started looking for girls. So I guess thanks to the platters and also the Skyliners who had a, a girl in their group as well for opening that avenue, getting more female singers out there, showing what they could do, which was make awesome music. Here is Only You by the Platters. Only you can do make all this world seem right. Only you. At last, by Etta James, came out in 1960. This is just a work of art. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame called her one of the greatest voices of her century and says she is forever the matriarch of blues. So big trigger warning here. There's going to be a little talk of abuse. If that's upsetting, tune out, tune back in in about three minutes. Etta James was born Jamesetta Hawkins in Los Angeles. Her mother was only 14 at the time, so ill-equipped to take care of an infant. James lived with a series of foster parents and received her first professional vocal training at the age of five from the musical director of the St. Paul Baptist Church. And he was physically abusive with her. She said he often punched her in the chest while she sang to force her voice to come from her gut, and she quickly became known for having an unusually strong voice for a child her age. And then her foster father was also abusive. He would have drunken poker games at home, and he would awaken her in the early mornings and force her with hitting her to sing for his friends. The trauma of this caused her to have difficulties with singing on demand throughout her career. It's amazing that it didn't end her career to have that kind of trauma associated with singing. When she got older, she was inspired to form a girl group called the Creolettes. And at the age of 14, she met musician Johnny Otis, who took the Creolettes under his wing and helped sign them to Modern Records, at which point they changed their name to the Peaches. This time, Otis also gave James her stage name, transposing James Etta Hawkins, her given first name to Etta James. Transposing James Etta, her given first name to Etta James. The song at last came out when she was 22, and that voice sounds so much older and experienced because she was. She'd had a hard life. She would go on to struggle with drug addiction and bad relationships, but through it all she kept singing. Singing kept her going. I was looking at pictures of her and there's such a difference between her posing for the camera style pictures versus her singing pictures. When she's singing, she looks calm. She looks confident, in control, but also younger, childlike. And I was curious about things she'd said about her relationship with singing and music. And here are some quotes from her. She said, what happens is when I perform, I'm somewhere else. I go back in time and get in touch with who I really am. I forget my troubles, my worries. Also, when I sing for myself, I probably sing for anyone who has had any kind of hurt, any kind of bad feelings, good feelings, ups and downs, highs and lows. 
that kind of thing. And I've learned to live with rage. In some ways, it's my rage that keeps me going. Without it, I would have been whipped long ago. With it, I got a lot more songs to sing. And finally, the only time that I am really, truly happy when I feel at my best is when I'm on stage. Out of all the the troubles and the struggles of her childhood, it did create something very beautiful. And I, it's hard to weigh that. Is that worth it? The beauty of this song versus what she went through to make it? Um, I don't know, but I can appreciate her music. I can appreciate that she had the strength to keep going out there, keep going on stage, that she didn't let some of the badness associated with it take away her ability and love to do it. And she was able to persevere because she loved music. So here is Etta James with At Last. At last. The Four Seasons' Walk Like a Man came out in 1963. I don't know if they were, but in the song, it sounds like they're having a lot of fun. The lead, Frankie Valli, he is 88 these days. He's still alive, still singing. And the history of the group, though, is is complicated. They changed labels a lot, and there are 33 past members that have come and gone in some capacity over the years. So I won't get into any of that because it's just complicated and boring unless like you're actually involved with the group or a hardcore fan. Uh, So Frankie Valli was inspired to take up singing at the age of seven after his mother took him to see a young Frank Sinatra at the Paramount Theater in Manhattan, New York City. And until he could support himself with music, he worked as a barber, which I like it when people have a backup plan. Like this is my big dream, but I can (laughs) also afford to like feed myself and pay bills and I'm sure there's some people out there or who were out there who were like got their hair cut by Frankie Valli and then he became famous and that's probably pretty exciting I mean wouldn't you want a Frankie Valli haircut I'm sure he didn't keep up his certification over the years but I mean still be kind of fun I I guess that that will be a dream of mine unrealized (laughs) Not like I go to a barber anyway. I would send Bobby to get his hair cut by Frankie Valley. And I feel like Bobby might, he really likes his hair though. He likes his hair a lot. So I don't know if the novelty of getting it cut by an 88 year old celebrity singer from the 60s would overthrow like his love of having a really good haircut. I'll have to ask him. Here is the Four Seasons with Walk Like a Man. So I did ask Bobby, and Bobby says, if Frankie Valley wanted to cut his hair, if he was into it, I'd be into it. He said, my hair isn't so much a vanity emblem as much as it's my canvas for self-expression. So if I could boast that an 88-year-old pop singer cut my hair, that would be cool. 
So Frankie Valley, if you're listening and you're ever in Ashland and you feel like you just you want to cut some hair and Bobby's got some good hair for you to work with, you know, hit us up. Let let us know. We'll we'll put it on air. Is this how you manifest? I don't think this is how you manifest. I think I need to like shout it into a ravine or an open field or something or at the stars perhaps. But yeah, I will follow him by little Peggy March came out in 1963. It kind of sounds like a stalker's anthem, but it makes more sense if you know that she was 15 when the song came out and she's still alive these days. She is 74. She was discovered at age 13 singing at her cousin's wedding, was introduced to the right people. They gave her the nickname Little Peggy March because she was only 4 foot 10. I couldn't find any information on as an adult if she grew taller. Some sources say she's 5'5", some sources say that she's still 4'10", so I'm not sure if she had a growth spurt or not. She became the youngest female artist with a number one hit at age 15, but her success came with some financial trouble. She was a minor, and there was a law that prevented her parents from managing her money, and the responsibility went to her manager, and it was discovered three years later that he had squandered her fortune, leaving her with $500. She also cut several other albums, but none of them sold really well in the United States, but she had a really strong presence in Europe and Asia. So she ended up moving to Germany in 1969 and releasing a bunch of German songs. And she worked largely in Germany and Las Vegas uh, until she moved to Florida in 1999, where she still lives. It's amazing to hear this song and realize that it was coming from such a very young, such a very tiny person. It it really makes a difference when you listen to the song. It doesn't sound so much like a stalker, does it? When like you're 14, you feel that way about everybody. Like you, your love knows no reason when you have a crush. So here we go. I will follow him. Follow him wherever he. the songs at the beginning of the show was Benny King with Stand By Me and here he is singing as part of the Drifters with the song There Goes My Baby which came out in 1959 so you can compare how he was solo versus how he was with the group. Also the gentleman singing bass is really funny to me because he is like I'm not going to be in the background. This is his moment to shine. Well, we've hit the end of the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. You can listen to previous episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just type in Dream Infringement. And join us next week for the first week of our biannual pledge drive. We love you, Miriam.